0: We have Carlton Gibson. Carlton, you are on Django Chat and you were just
1: recently, you just stepped down as being one of the Django fellows. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, Yeah, I did, Brian. Yes. Um, So I was five years in the role there. I was described that as being the janitor. You know, we keep the floor clean um, on Django. So I did five years of triaging the tickets and responding to every fire hose comment. And I'm still very much enjoying stepping back from that and the, the, the sort of change of data, uh, you know, it's still very fresh
0: for me. Well, if you're, if you describe it as janitor stuff, did you spend like most of your time then in the, like the Django, uh, the, the issue tracker and stuff
1: then is that? Yeah, no, I mean, yeah. So literally like, so Django, you've got to imagine like it literally gets five new ticket reports a day, every single day. Like, you know, Christmas, it will get five new <laughs> ticket reports. It's, <laughs> like it's, it's, it's nonstop. And then there's PRs and um, we have a security at Django project.com email for security disclosure. That's very busy. We get a lot of reports. Um, and you have, you have to look at those and a lot of them, you know, can be, no, this isn't an issue, but some of them are very serious. (laughs) And then there's, so Django has a point release pretty much every month and it has a major release every eight months. And the fellows are responsible for that. And um, contributors, they'll do a a PR, but it's, you know, it won't get reviewed. And so uh, the fellows do the, do the, the bulk of the pr review um you know so having stepped down um i was cc'd on a recent async issue because it's one of my areas that i'm interested in and i kind of commented i I, I, you know i made sure it's sane but i haven't done that fine like you know really fine detailed review that the fellows will do because i'm no longer the fellow so it's okay I, i haven't got the time the capacity to do that extra level and that's that's what the fellow role is all about it's just a web framework the size of Django's—it just wouldn't get done, and it, would, it historically wasn't getting done. And so the fellow role was created, and then Tim Graham did it for a number of years. I came along, then Marish Feliciak there, and now Natalia Baidat Badat has just started. And so, you know, it, it's yeah. continuing, but I've stepped away. And it, as I say, I, it's—it really is a relief because that fire hose of notifications—that's—that's that, that's quite hard work. You know, it's real work. It's—it really is. Yeah, it's a so it's a paid role, right? Yes, exactly. So the DSF contracts the fellows to do that that day to day maintenance. Yeah. Um,
0: now outside of uh, like, where, I don't know if you did built used Django when you were in the in as a Django fellow, but do you build websites with Django also?
1: Yeah. No, I have forever. I mean, this is this was the thing. So I I I don't know, uh, two thousand and five six. I started. My, I I got big fat book P- uh, web development with PHP and MySQL and it was like my introduction that was great and I was doing that for a while and I was using Zen framework and then I went to a web conference called uh, future of web Web apps which was an amazing thing you know Twitter was fresh and I know all sorts of things going on and everyone was talking about this Django 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 so I got home and I googled it and it said the web framework for perfectionists with a deadline and I'm like that's me <laughs> so I've been happily using it ever since and I got into um I had a sort of mini career building uh, mobile web applications with backends. So I was building the the both sides of it. I was building the the front end mobile app and then also the server back end. I was doing that with Django REST framework, and so I got into helping with Django REST frameworks. Tom Christie, who was the creator of that, came on the mailing list. He said, "Look, I need a bit of help answering questions and triaging tickets." And you know, so I just, I just did that, and then all of a sudden he was like, "Oh, well, you know, you can." I got the commit bit there, you know, it was like, oh, wow, I can merge this PR and uh, yeah. And then a few years later, uh, a fellowship, you know, I took on Django Filter, I took on Django Crispy Forms, I took on Django Compressor helping out there because these were, these were um, dependencies that I was using and I was building my business around them and I had to make sure that they weren't going to break. Like it, it was like, I can't, I can't have Crispy Forms, just stop working. So I, you know, I helped out and made sure it was working and then the fellow role came up tim graham um said he was going to step back he'd been doing it for you know four years i think full-time solo which is a lot um and i he 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 said he wanted to step back and so they they advertised for a fellow and i said i'd like to do it part-time and help and i was you know i don't know who else applied but i was lucky enough to get that role um and so i you know five years later here i am so were you were you still doing
0: like uh, as a freelance i don't know if you're a freelance freelance or otherwise oh, or i do
1: a, yeah no so i've always been a an independent i've you know I worked at you know various companies like um, big and small like from the very biggest to you know tiny you but know,
0: through through being before. a fellow you were also still doing that or
1: a little bit but not very much the reality was i didn't have very much capacity so i was doing a little bit like the odd bit that came up yeah okay I'll I'll do that but I wasn't um I thought initially yes I was doing you know I I started fellowing part-time and I was continuing to freelance part-time but as it as the time went by and it was over COVID remember as well and things were different and things were difficult um I kind of was doing less and less um just because life and capacity. I mean I've got four kids, which is another <laughs> sort of thing. And so having four kids and, and, and following like three days a week and then maybe I do a week a day a week on my own projects and then oh have I got a day a week's capacity to do some client work. Well if if that client work just fell in my lap then yeah okay I'd do it. But you're not uh, seeking it out, out or doing marketing Yeah or, I I wasn't yeah. seeking I wasn't seeking it. Okay um, and the reality was by the by the end Um, you know, so I stepped down in March. By the end, I was kind of tired. I I said um, to everybody that I stepped down in March, I was going to give myself till the end of June, which was after DjangoCon Europe. I was just going to go cold turkey. And I I wasn't going to look at the issue tracker. I wasn't going to look at the notifications on Django. Django. I wasn't going to do anything. And there was only one day I let that slip. Somebody, somehow I got, cc'd on a a pull request or an issue and i found myself answering comments on track and i was like no 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 no, stop stop back away (laughs) well so now that you've
0: um so you're a few months out from being a fellow now yes yes i am yes so and now are you so, you just did you take a few
1: months off, or are you back to doing cl- well,
0: client work, or what are you doing now? No, well,
1: I'm building. I'm working on an, um, and I've got two two applications on in the bag. One is um, called uh, Paths, which is a tool in the um, environmental and social governance sector, which um, is working with a, a a friend of mine who I've known twenty years, who who works in that sector, and traditionally, his work has been using Excel, and we're, well, whenever Excel is in use, then. You know it's an opportunity to turn that into a real application, and so we're doing we're doing that very standard thing of embedding his domain knowledge in a web application and then um you know hoping to sell that to clients so that's that's up and coming and then I've got a deployment tool which I've been talking about you know for years and all through the pandemic I've been talking about it, but I just haven't had the capacity to build it called button, which is a sort of take on deployments for targeting simple Django deployments because Oh Well, we do Django Chat, which is the podcast. And every week, someone will come on and they'll they'll tell us about some hoops they've had to jump through for deployment. And then actually, whilst it's complex, there are a lot of moving parts. You don't have to make it more complex than it needs to be. And so Jibbutton is my take on that. And I've been thinking about it and wanting to get it done for a long time. And as I say, without capacity. And now I have that capacity. So I'm hoping to launch that in the fall, which will be a sort of finally, you know, one of these, oh, wow, it's actually... (laughs) happened after all this time so you you said hopefully launching in the fall it's it's august
0: yeah. now you realize that right so fall is coming yeah, yeah up, no 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 so okay. I'm,
1: yeah i know I'm, I'm really <laughs> close so the back end all works i've got people using it um it, it's it all functions it's it's how i've been deploying applications um myself for years and with clients and it's all evolved and a lot of what i've been doing is um taking it from um, what works on my machine to what works on any machine and that okay that process takes a long time um i think in the Myth- mythical man month i think first chapter or second chapter of that there's this lovely grid where it's like where you've got a script in one corner and you've got a productized product down the other and it's times three along one axis and times three along the other so you know to ship the the product is actually 10 times the amount of time it takes you to ship the the script um <laughs> and so that's where my time has been going and uh, you know I've learned um, a couple of UI paradigms and I've experimented with various deployment strategies because what I want to build is a, is a native application. So it will be a native application that you download to your desktop and you, you en- enter your things and that's all coming. And um, it's been coming for a long time and I'm, I'm, I'm really happy with it, but it's obviously taken a lot longer than it should have done. So that's okay.
0: All right, cool. But it'll be something that you built and you're happy with or proud of. Yeah, coming.
1: no, exactly. Yeah. And uh, I mean, so we talked about freelancing a little bit. Like, I did that for a long, 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 long time. Um, and it's great. Uh, it, and I could continue to do it if I had to. But part of me is like, no, I'd, I'd much rather build products. I'd, I'd, so this is why I'm excited about the parts application. It's why I'm excited about Button. And, you know, there will be a couple of other ideas that will follow in the, the year or two after that. Of, I'd like to build now a, a small portfolio of products that just their thing and you know if if i can find a market for those then that would be wonderful and if not well i'll continue to busk on the streets as i always have
0: <laughs> now i gotta see that so you get any videos of you on the streets uh you know dancing no no,
1: no no not on the street I, I i try to keep you know if i see someone with a camera i have to go and take it off them and destroy the evidence <laughs> <laughs>
0: um <laughs> awesome uh i i you didn't, this is, we're not going to release the video, but I, I was imagining you putting air quotes when you said pilot, uh, c-
1: you know, client work is great. Um, uh. No, it, <laughs> it is. Um, the analogy that always comes to mind, I don't know if you remember the film Ben Hur from the, you know, nineteen. 19- Whenever it was, but like when he gets imprisoned on the Roman galleon and, the, 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 you know, the, he's, he's tied, he's chained to an oar and there's a drummer that sets the rhythm and they have to keep the rhythm. And if they don't keep the rhythm, they get whipped and they, they until they collapse when they get unchained and thrown over the side and someone else gets sh- chained in their place. Client work is a bit like that. It's always project driven. It's always deadline driven. It's always project based. So there's a deadline, and then there's another deadline, and there's another deadline, and it's well remunerated. And so you can you can sort of fill up your bank account, and you can take a a break from it, and then, but when the money's gone, you go back to it, and it's very much a treadmill, Um, and that's okay. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. it, As I say, it's well remunerated to to pay for that. But, um, hey, it's tiring, and you know, I remember. Um when I started the fellow role, I was very um one one reason why I was like, Oh yeah, I'll apply for that was because I, I did want to break from that that routine. I've been doing it a dozen years. Um yeah. and it is great. It, it it's it's exciting, it's fun, it's always challenging, it's always, you know, it's interesting and it and it's well remunerated, but it's not it, it's not very forgiving. There's no there's no space there's not much space for life in it, if that makes sense.
0: Well, I think I probably didn't do it long enough to do the to get to the point where it was paid enough to make it worth it. Um, I guess I did a I did a way back a long time ago. I did a restaurant website uh, with PHP, um, and then uh, built an e commerce site um, for somebody based on WordPress. Actually, but uh, um, and neither one of them paid near enough to make it worth the time i had to put into it
1: but i i was still learning
0: at the time so yeah anyway
1: yeah those first few years are, are, are really tough because you ha- you haven't got the portfolio all the experience to pick you know or even the business knowledge as well i mean it gets you get, yeah uh, more experience and you realize that there is a lot of money around and you know to, I, in the end i was working for. Household names, you know, very big companies, but via agencies that were. So I wasn't contracting directly with those agent with the the big companies. Yeah. The you know I was going by the agencies, and they would pay a rate, and okay, you know, but they they really want their you know they they know the business too, and they really want their pound of flesh, and so you know, it, it works. <laughs> so it works both ways. You said you have four kids. Um, yes, uh, young kids, old kids. Well they they get older all the time so the eldest is 15 and then one at 13 and two who are nearly 11 so okay um if you do know, if you do the the maths backwards there when the when the t- so we had two and we thought oh we'll have a third and then we had twins right so okay. we, we when our twins were born um we had a 4 year old a 2 year old and two newborns oh um, which was the the word is brutal. It, it was utterly brutal. <laughs> the first the first couple of years, I barely survived. Um,
0: no question. Well, the the good news is is I think being a parent myself is I don't the first year is like so hard that you know like there's some defense mechanism that blocks it out. So I barely remember most of the first year of either of my kids lives
1: um so yeah no it's it's totally gray So i refuse to recall <laughs> that but there, there 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 were moments when like all four because a four-year-old is not a a grown child right a four-year-old has a lot of needs and a two-year-old is basically a toddler and they have a lot of needs and so you've got a four-year-old with a lot of needs a two-year-old with a lot of needs and two newborns who are you know fresh out the bath and screaming and it's like all four of them going off at once and you just like keep the, the only thing that comes to mind is that that british slogan about the war keep keep calm and carry on you just have okay i'll deal with you okay you're happy now right okay now the next and that just went on for. Yeah, a couple
0: and, of good and couple I of years. Can't imagine how
1: like moving, going anywhere would work. Like taking. No, all- we don't go anywhere. We never <laughs> go anywhere ever. ever. Um, like, so we used to travel when before we had kids, we travelled and we you know, saw a lot of the world. Now it's like, no, um, do we? Will we drive t- three hours away to see family? Oh, that's uh, maybe, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> like, it's quite hard. Um, and so we try and to do do things with like one of them so one of us will take one of them and okay you know because that's you know that's easy <laughs> that's, uh, that's no problem well and in, in things that are like not that bad
0: they're like you know yeah this is a little expensive but not terrible as with like a couple
1: like things like going to a movie suddenly are expensive with 6 people um yeah, yeah, no, exactly. And they're like, can we have a drink in the square? You're like, well, no, we can't have a drink. It's like that would be 40 euros just for a drink. You, of course you can't have a drink. And they're like, why can't we ever have anything? It's because there are too many of you. <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: yeah, but we finally, uh, well, my kids are pretty good. We've like, told them that, yeah, we go to nice restaurants when we don't have you with us. That's when we go to nice yeah, restaurants. No.
1: <laughs> but as well, I don't know about your kids, Brian, but my kids, they just won't eat anything. Like so, so, you would. If I were to take them to a nice restaurant, they would be presented with something which they hadn't had before that wasn't spaghetti bolognese, and they'd be like, "I'm not eating this," and, and they'd they'd make a fuss, and it'd be like, "Well, look, we'll take you there when you're 25, and you've realized that you know food has has a joy to it." Oh no,
0: there. we 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 put our foot down, and like uh, from uh, when my, our my, one of my youngest, when we just had one. Um, I remember we were just starting around food on solid foods and stuff like that. And we talked to the pediatrician and said, we're kind of into Thai food now. Do we, uh, cooking it at home and stuff? Do we need to make, is that okay to feed our kid? And, and she's like, yeah, Thai kids eat Thai food when they're babies and Mexican, yeah, yeah, kids yeah, eat Mexican yeah, right. food. It's fine. Um, so, uh, I still remember the, uh, we were my, when we moved, we moved once and my, uh, youngest was maybe five, four. She was, wasn't super... Anyway, we, we she was still sitting in a high chair and not really great with spoons um, yet. So she, maybe yeah. she was younger than that. And uh, we ordered Tomka, Tomka guy, this soup, um, a curry, spicy curry I soup. And um, she just... We said, can we get a get water glass? And they're like, what? And so we just put an empty... We just filled this water glass up with soup so she could just drink it. Um, and oh, the, yeah, the waiter just... Stood there and watched, and he said, "I've never seen anything like this before. Uh, <laughs> it was, it was awesome." No, we were are like, no, you well." We we it, this is dinner, and but we did, you know, we didn't make our kids eat it, but we said, "This is dinner, and if you don't like it, breakfast is in the morning." Um, so yeah, right.
1: <laughs> but yeah i think kid, i think i i think our kids know that there's always an alternative so that's i think that's our own fault so.
0: <laughs> but they're old enough now they probably are eating more stuff now oh yeah yeah
1: no it, it it's like they get much better and over time all of a sudden like the the, the eldest one was was a vegetable dodger for years and all of a sudden it's like no he's he's getting to that age where his body wants more calories and he's like no i'm gonna eat everything that's offered um, and that's a big change. How
0: about activities? Like I just dropped off my kid this morning at like a thing she had to do at the
1: school. Um, do you,
0: is there a lot of driving kids around with four kids and stuff? Well, for,
1: there would be, if we lived in a bigger town, fortunately we live in a very small town where you can walk to the center of it. We're, we live right on the edge of town. You can walk to the center in, I don't know six, eight minutes, depending on okay. how fast so, you go. And So if they have so some it's, activity, it's they flexible. can just walk or bike or something.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean my my daughter does gymnastic uh like um uh floor routines, you know, like um dance yeah. and acrobatic routines. And that could be all over the place. I'll and I'll have to drive off for an hour this way or an hour that way to go to some event. But that's you know, but the the de- the de- sort of day to day she walks down to the training and Oh, cool. You know, I walk down to pick her up and we walk home. Yeah it's nice i i I try not to use the cars if if i can avoid it
0: portland's not like that portland is not built for no walking around american
1: cities are designed around the automobile i i I got that impression when i've been (laughs) but you're so you're um you're british is that right yes yeah yeah well yeah still still just about
0: (laughs) but you're you live in spain now
1: yeah, I've lived in Spain for like over a decade, twelve years now, thirteen years coming up. Um, and so, well before Brexit, and when Brexit came, fortunately, the sanity enough prevailed that our rights to remain were protected with the Exit Treaty. So we have permanent residency here, you know, under that. But part of me thinks I, you know, may well taper up Spanish nationality at some point because um, it's just slightly more conducive to traveling Hmm. the rest of Europe and things like that and whatnot but I can travel anywhere in Europe with my residence Spanish residency card and there's no problem with any of that so um, it's not pressing it's not urgent but it's something that I might do and I make I might encourage my kids to when they reach 16 they can choose to adopt Spanish nationality and then that would help them with studying or living elsewhere in the European Union which as British citizens they no longer have that right oh weird yeah, okay, yeah. I never and thought well, about Bre- that. That's the word to describe Brexit entirely is weird. It's just <laughs> utter madness, but whatever, you know. Let's not get political, it's a... <laughs> but, yeah. Okay, but I have to like bring
0: up, I can't remember if, it, if I heard somebody say this and, or oh, no, I heard a comedian say this. Uh, she was complaining about, uh, talking about Brexit and she said that, um, uh, she said she was talking to some people and they said, uh, I can't believe that so many people would vote for something that's against their interests. Um
1: yeah. and yeah. um and she said, have you met people? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well this is the same like with the um like both the, the the British um Tory party which is like the conservative the right the, the center right party in Britain and the Republican Party in the United States and then in Spain the, the PP, which is, again represents a kind of small economic niche, like basically the rich and yet they're voted for by quite broad um groups with yeah. a, sufficient to gain power or be close to gaining power almost every election and yet it makes no sense from a kind of voting for your self interest point of view it's it's, it's uh something. we do
0: that in the u s too um so yeah i mean
1: it's everywhere i think i think
0: so but I never really thought about how that would impact uh people living abroad uh like uh people from England living in spain because that that's like frequent right there's quite a few people that live yeah. not in the country that they have nationality in
1: so yeah i mean it's still very easy to retire from britain to spain like if you've you know as long as you've got a pension and and whatnot you can demonstrate that you're, you're um you're not you're solvent then you can retire to spain from britain on, on a special visa but people wouldn't be able to do what not or not as easily wouldn't be able to do what we did which was pack up, put our kids in the car. Well, I put the house in, We put most of our stuff in a van, which was going to take six weeks to arrive. And I loaded up the car with the essentials and I drove. And then my wife came and she bought a three-year-old and a one-year-old oh, wow. over on the plane. and um, We just came and we rented a house and we moved. Um, and, you know, we put them in school and we, we were just there. You couldn't do that now. Not oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, how does that work then?
0: Do you have Do you pay like both English taxes and Spanish taxes? No, i um,
1: so you just like the way you the way it worked is that you're resident in whichever country, you're tax resident in whichever country you spend the most time in. So you, okay. if you spend 183 days a year in Spain, then you're Spanish tax resident. If you spend that in Germany, you're German tax resident, and so on. You pay your taxes there, and then you can spend I think up to three months in any of the other countries without any problem at all. Huh. And then if you're going to spend longer than three months, you have to register and say, Hey, I'm here. Um, oh, okay. Well,
0: like when you I retire, price, does like yeah. do both, does, does both Spain and England help pay for your retirement then? Or how does that work?
1: Something like that. So, the, yeah. So the British government have a, um, because they can't Right. So here's, was one of the big things is there's like a million retirees in Spain, British retirees in Spain. And so when Brexit happened, the last thing the British government wanted was those million people turning back in Britain because, whilst they can afford to live in Spain, they can't afford to live in Britain where the house prices are higher, the cost of living is higher. Hmm. And so the British government is very much like, you know, you stay there and the British government pays the Spanish government for healthcare for, um, pensioners. Oh, okay. For retirees. Um, So it's sort of civilized. Oh, no, it's, it's, it's okay. Um, like Brexit just makes no sense. There would, it, it, nothing's changed in terms of immigration numbers to the UK. The only thing that's happened is the UK is poorer. That's that's all that's happened. Well, so, what would it? Well, how nice. would how would your life change
0: if you became a Spanish citizen then?
1: Well, okay, so probably not much because I personally don't intend to leave where I live. I love where I live. I am very. I've learned Catalan. You know, the, the, nowhere else is that useful other than Catalonia. So, I am not moving, but I can't. Also, I can't if I chose to drive to France and move and live in France. I mean, you know, maybe I could if I could show I was financially viable, uh, and blah, 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 but okay. I'd have to jump through all the hoops like anybody else. Whereas before, I could just get up and drive and go. Oh. And if I had a Spanish passport, I could do that still. But with a British passport, I can't. Okay, got it.
0: Um, and uh, so how many, uh, how many languages
1: do you speak? uh well i speak english just about um spanish <laughs> and catalan um i'm learning french and that's about it i i, have a, I p- potter in other ones
0: have your kids picked up uh both spanish and then
1: yeah no but they they they've they do it very differently so i speak spanish um as someone who learned it as an adult so i still have like an english Accent And as, as, as my accent improves over time, that's great. But it, I still have this kind of British mouth that makes British sounds. And so I sound <laughs> essentially like Borat. If you know the comedian from um, yeah. Sasha Baron Cohen, who does the Borat character, who's meant to be fun, from Kazakhstan and speaks English, but it's like, a, like in, in a comedic way. Well, I, I'm a bit like that when I speak Spanish or Catalan. My kids are all like, oh, no, don't. But my Catalan's very good. You know people say oh you can, oh, you've got good catalan but i still speak it like a foreigner and always will um whereas my kids they have they have they've learned they've spoken from like like from children and they have different voices like when they switch language literally their voice changes and they have they speak english natively and they speak catalan and spanish natively um that's so cool
0: I, I was cool. wondering, and they—they
1: like- they don't even know. They don't even know. They just say, "Oh, yeah, whatever. It's not important. It's not interesting. No, it really is a gift." As someone who, you know, when I came here a dozen years ago, I could ask to order two beers, and that was about it. And to be able to speak two, three, and four languages, it's just oh, it's phenomenal for huh. them,
0: you know. I so I just recently learned that there's more than one part of Spain. <laughs>
1: right yeah no i i I learned that when i got here like so we moved to catalonia and that i was like that's not in the phrase but what's they saying because i didn't know about catalan i didn't know about any of yeah there are multiple regions so where are you saying catalan c-a-t what is that catalonia so c-a-t-a-l-o-n-i-a catalonia is that um i'll just google it but
0: it's a oh it's near barcelona is that right? Yeah.
1: So Barcelona is the is the sort of capital of of Catalonia, and um, okay. this that that's northeast region of Spain is Catalonia, okay. and then um, over to the sort of on the north coast, there's the Basque Country, and then there's Galicia over on the northwest, and they're the sort of um, main non-Spanish areas, but also Valencia is kind of half Catalan, half separate to being. Not really, Catalan. It's like they have a a, a version of Catalan; it's their own language they speak down there.
0: Okay, cool. Are you near the ocean?
1: Yes, very near the ocean. So I can, I, I, I about, I could walk over from my back door. I'd be in the sea in half an hour if I was walking. I'd be in the sea in ten minutes on a bike, or you know, about ten minutes in a car.
0: Oh, lovely! Yeah. So are there, are there yeah. uh, I guess, beaches that you can hang out yeah. at, or?
1: Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. It's lovely. I, you know, <laughs> <laughs> what can I say? It's uh, <laughs> it's kind of why I came here. I mean, it, it's um, no. I mean, it's yeah, it's it's marvellous. So I live in a little town called Palavage, and around there, there's just a billion beaches. It's a, the the population in the summer triples. So like middle of August now, it's it, it's we you know, kind of joke. It's horrible. There's it, just lots of people. It's really busy, but it's it's totally fine. And in literally two weeks' time, they'll all just disappear, and it's like september is the best time because all the tourists have gone the the sea is warm the weather's still warm it's not quite as hot as it is in august and it's just you know the kids go back to school and you know life is perfect and so i'm about an hour and i'm about an hour and a half from barcelona which is which is great if i want to go but it's just a little bit too far to go regularly so i'm not i don't get down to like the python meetups and all those things that i could because if you know they finish at 10 o'clock at night and i've got an hour and a half drive home it's just not not going to happen so i don't get down there as often as i could do you do so do um i'm i guess what kind of conferences do you usually go to then well with, the, the, with four kids it's quite limited you know i don't do the whole euro python every rally but i go to i always will go to DjangoCon europe since um 2017. i've been using django forever i never knew about django con i never knew about the django community and then I think it came up like uh, I, saw, I saw Django under the hood and I was like, oh that looks good I should, perhaps should have gone to that and then it came up Django and you're at Florence and I went right I'm going to that <laughs> so, so I went and I just turned up I was like oh wow this is this is the home I've been missing because I'd been to tech conferences you know at the beginning of my career and they just they're not the same as the Django community there's no there was no mention of diversity or inclusion or any of those you know Django has a, a code of conduct that's enforced it's a very nice environment it isn't it's not it's not there is alcohol there but it's not booze fueled in a way that some of the conferences I went to early in my career I didn't really find I you know they were okay but I didn't like them um whereas I, I went to Django con and I was like oh yes this is somewhere I need to be and um, so I go to Django con if I can I go to Django con US I'm not sure I'm gonna make it this year because my son's been ill um, he's been ill for over a year and um, that's been okay. going on it's it, yeah it's just it's been hard he's getting better but i don't know i'm leaving it right to the last minute to decide whether i can go to DjangoCon con us year this year because it's quite a long way and a big travel and then this year i went to pycon italia which was lovely i was asked to keynote there so i gave a talk on open source for the long haul so it was lovely to go back to florence and they treated me very well and it was just wonderful but i don't go to you know a million python conferences that perhaps i would if i maybe i might do in a few years when the kids have all gone off to university and I've got nothing else to do. I might go to a few more conferences.
0: Yeah. I kind of want to ramp it up again. I, I, of course, through the the pandemic, they weren't, weren't happening. And then, um, so I've got one, one daughter out of mood that moved out and one still here, but hmm. it's uh, tolerable now with one at home that it's okay if I take off and stuff. So, like yeah, more. I mean it's
1: a big ass to it's big ass to go away when there's four and you know leave whoever's left behind. You know, it, it's not it's not zero, you
0: know. My my wife and I just uh, binged like both at, both the first two episodes of uh Warrior Nun. Um after a bit. <laughs> it, I have to admit. But it's based in Europe <laughs> and there's there's some like Madrid scenes and there's some other parts of it. It's Switzerland, I think. And uh, anyway, I've just I was reminded that like Europe is smaller than the U.S. I mean, maybe in total, it might be bigger, but you can get from one interesting place to another interesting place. That's different in a day trip or, or like at least a day drive, which um, I really, at some point I'd love to be able to like spend the summers over there or something like that. So I could see more of the world in one trip instead of uh, just going one place and then coming back. Cause if, if you drive for a day here, you get to somewhere that's kind of like where you left. Um, yeah, so right. It's okay. really not that different. So, uh, yeah, a couple of days you can get someplace where they're they're meaner and they wear more cowboy hats. But uh, you know, <laughs> you can you you actually don't have to go that far. You can go a couple hours outside of the city anywhere, even in Oregon, and it gets a little crazy. But um, anyway.
1: Yeah, Uh, I mean, your extended trip around Europe, I think if you, you know, if you can carve the life space to do that and you've got the the finances, that's an amazing thing to do. That'd be fun.
0: So one of the things you said was this is the home that you'd been missing. And, um, I felt that as well about, uh, about Python. I'd been using it for 10 years before I start, maybe 15 years before I got involved with the community. And it's like a completely different language. Um, yeah. if you you go to the conferences and start listening to the podcasts and and uh you know sharing and start contributing uh it just feels different uh, it feels so before then my using a, a programming language was fun but it was like uh it was a tool um and yeah. then suddenly i like entered into it was like adding color to it or something it, it just was way better
1: yeah. i thought no entirely i wouldn't i wouldn't have done 5 years as the fellow, as a Django fellow, if it wasn't for the Django for Django being what Django is, like, it's just, like it was great, it was awesome. But you know, yeah. I, I just wouldn't have done that if it weren't for Django being you know so close to my heart. Um, one of the things I wanted to
0: ask about a couple things, more things. Um, you you've been involved with op- not not just Django itself, but other like open source projects, probably around Django and in Python. Um, the the I ran into something, I guess I just wanted your opinion on it. I ran into a thing recently where I was using a a little tool, a little Python tool. um, And it was uh, part of my test pipeline. And like two things work together to make this work. And one of them isn't being updated anymore. Um, Yes. That's kind of something. one of the things you have to deal with is the maintainers just not doing what they're doing and you don't, I don't know what's wrong. I don't know if they're just on vacation this summer or if something happened or there's, there's like that black hole of like, you don't get to see into people's lives and find out why are they not maintaining this anymore? Uh, have you ever dealt yeah. with that? And like what, when at one point do you fork it and like do your own thing? Uh,
1: well, yeah, that's a good question. So, um, uh, so I ended up maintaining, for instance, Django Filter because it was unmaintained. I ended up maintaining Django Crispy forms because it was unmaintained. I ended up, you know, stepping in to maintain the channel trolls because they were, you know, in danger of being uh, un unmaintained. Um I guess the first thing is to is to open an issue saying, Hey, you know, do you need any help? That that that's always good. But again, one thing that can be a pressure is um people saying oh you know why aren't you maintaining this properly that but it's like well it is maintained properly it just i just haven't done it recently you know like yeah i'll be back and you know don't don't stress it so i think one thing is to make sure you can install the dependency from your own fork with pip so pip install and then you point to your git um your git version rather than off pip um pi and people you know, in, in some enterprise environments can't do that because they have to have the security approval for every package. But if it's your own pipeline, you can install your own local one. And then the issue that instead of just saying, um, oh, you know, do you need help? Or is this project dead? Or, you know, any of those sort of things which put pressure on the maintainer say, hey, look, um, I've made these changes. I've resolved issue here in this branch. And, you know, it can be it can be merged on my my branch here that I'm using, these issues are resolved and just sort of update that every so often so that you give the maintainer an opportunity to engage and say, and if you you know, at the bottom of that that comment you can just say, Hey, and you know, if you want some help in maintaining, I'm really happy to help merge you into this into the main package. And if the maintainer then still doesn't respond, and then you might say, Look, I'm just gonna put up on PyPI because I need it, you know. But again, it's, it's, a, it's a soft fork. It's like, you know, I'm happy to get all this merged back into the main package. Yeah. And eventually it's like, you know, the maintainer will email you and say, hey, thanks for doing all the work you've been doing. You wouldn't mind just taking over the main package, would you? Because frankly, I've had a hell of a year and I haven't even had a chance to look at it. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, it's tough to try to communicate with you don't know what's happening on the other end but yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, so, I mean, I've had, I've just had an utter nightmare of a year. Like it's since I came, went to Django con us last October and on the way home, um, my son had already been sort of ill for a few months, but we thought he was getting better or whatever. But then on the way home, I was in the passport line at Barcelona. My wife, my phone went, my wife rang me. She's yeah. like, I'm in the hospital. Our daughter's fallen down the stairs. And, you know, she was three days in intensive care, oh, and, you know, all sorts. It was just like, ah, oh. and then, you know, coming up to Christmas, she's just recovering. And, and then my, my son, his illness isn't getting better. And it's like, oh, and we go through Christmas. and Then we go to the doctors and just months and months of tests and uh, diagnosis and no, not sure what it is and waiting for appointments and going to a point just mental just really 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 full on and so django filter hasn't had the update it needs the channels packages haven't had the update that they need you know my other packages that i put out this summer they're waiting for another little update that hasn't happened yet that's okay Do you know what that's okay yeah these packages they're not unmaintained. i haven't gone anywhere they're still working there aren't any life or death bugs that are, you know someone said to me uh, this week is there a 4.2 compatibility um package coming for channels i'm like it's already compatible it just hasn't got the, the trove classifier i just haven't done the release and they're like okay thanks no problem but it's like you know yes it will come yes it's behind because I've had all these personal issues, but I'm still maintaining them. I'll be back. And those those packages are fine. But you as you you're right, as a user, you don't really know that. So I've tried to put a few blog posts up but just explaining where I'm at. But people who don't follow my blog, they're not yeah. gonna know about that. Yeah. So you know, and I just try and say, look, and so someone came on the Daphne package. Oh, is this issue still open? I'm like, look, there's a couple of PRs that are in there. If you, I haven't had a chance to look at those, but if you looked at those, that would really help me, you know, maybe push it forward in, over the next month or so. You know, we'll get there. But who knows what the maintainer is going through, is the point of that. <laughs>
0: yeah, because right. because I do I do have that like one, uh, another thing that happened I, I don't know, several months ago. A similar sort of thing. I like did, did a did a merge request and didn't hear anything. And I know, and then I went and looked and noticed that there were like three or four other merge requests and issues that weren't being addressed. Um, and then, uh, and then I, so I, I did, I posted a message that said, Hey, um, it was a project that I was interested in. And I said, Hey, I, um, if you'd like some help, I, I could, um, I could help with this project. And, and then uh, I don't know, a week later or something, I got an email back that said, Oh, yeah, I'm back to it. But, like, I had a death in the family and had to deal with that. And, yeah, stuff like that happens. Um, So Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I think as a user, I think the biggest thing is as as a user is be prepared to deploy your branch. Like, just – like, don't don't insist on a maintainer having, you know, merged your PR instantly and done a new package release instantly. Because, you know, sometimes it's like, uh, you know, I fixed this one little bug, but also I need to update the packaging and I need to do this and I need to do that to get a proper release out. And it's it might be that I haven't been able to push your patch to PyPI. Yeah. Um, and if you can be aware of that, it just goes a lot easier on the maintainer who's, you know, they know. It's not that they're unaware. So do you still maintain crispy forms? No. David okay. Smith, um, has take, I mean, I'm still there. I offer the odd bit of advice and, you know, I uh, read the docs. They wanted okay. you to move to um, this YAML file that they wanted you to put in. So I helped get that going for it recently. Um, but David Smith, who um, came in a couple a few years ago, and he's just taken over and he's 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 just done so much and he's he's done all these stuff in the django over the 4.x release cycle for updating the forms the new templates the new template renderers he's just uh he, he's done everything there and so all credit to him he's he's maintaining that and he created the django crispy forms tailwind package which is like example templates for how you might integrate with tailwind and oh neat you know um so yeah he's he's he he's takes all the credit there i'm just, I, i'm still there for sort of you know you know a bit of company type of thing but i'm no i'm not still maintaining
0: but okay so i've heard that um so i'm still kind of getting into django um i've heard that the forms the built-in forms are better now i mean if i had a new project (laughs) and i wanted to build a form should i try the built-in stuff first or yeah
1: absolutely and if you can you want to get on to um well how can you Yes, you want to be definitely using 4.2, but in, f- in 5.0, there's another thing coming, which is the, this as field group um, thing, um, which it, so if you imagine an individual uh, input, it's got a label, it's got the actual input itself, it's got probably some errors, it's got help text, and they all kind of come together. And yet, in the template, you have to rent, you have to sort of write. If you manually did the template, you would do each of them separately. And if you look into the template, each of them is separate. But in five point there's 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 a kind of as field group helper which you can just sort of use that put that one bit in, and that's and so it makes writing custom forms more easy. It makes writing, say for instance, um, a custom layout where you want to have this full, this field next to that field, and then that's in a field set, and then three more fields in a separate field. So it makes writing that kind of custom template a lot quicker. But the new stuff in the 4.x cycle is really good. It lets, it, it lets you customize at the project level the templates you want to use just really easily. So I'm using it um, in my new projects. And I'm kind of, what's interesting for me at the moment, working on those is kind of going through and seeing, well, what how close to reinventing crispy forms do I have to get? And then I can start having conversations with David about, well, you know, how would we do this in... You know, Django native versus do we want to use something like crispy forms and add on? And so there's a a conversation that Dave and I have slowly begun about well, what does crispy forms look like going forward? Okay, interesting, um, cool. Well,
0: um, I I want to thank you for your time today. It was really great to to hear about
1: really good, and- good really good chatting a and real off topic as well because normally we just talk about <laughs> 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 normally we just talk about Django 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 or something like that. And it's, so it's nice to you know go around the the side and
0: yeah and now i actually um seeing seeing uh pictures of madrid in um in the warrior warrior nun which i my daughter and i both think that uh they really dropped the ball and because nunja was right there and they didn't take it i mean i think nunja is better than warrior nun but anyway um okay (laughs) but but madrid looks cool and uh barcelona shows up in the movies a lot and i i hadn't really yeah. had spain in the in in my radar for places i wanted to go but uh, now i kind of want to go to spain because it looks pretty cool so anyway. yeah
1: and you've got to if you come you've got to go to like uh, cadiz and sevilla and granada which are three cities down in the south you know you, you don't go in the summer though because it's just like inferno down there but um <laughs> yeah there's like the alhambra in granada which is just amazing so if you can do the south and then um and S- spain has i think after china the largest high-speed rail network in the world so you know you can also so it's the second largest in the world and you can um cruise around between the cities you've been from seville to madrid in three hours and madrid to barcelona in a couple of hours and then from barcelona you can get to paris in six or something like that so wow you
0: know, you could, didn't know that either that's pretty cool
1: yeah. Nice. Yeah, it is cool, and you know, so okay, it's slightly quicker to fly in times of time in, the air, time in the air, but you don't have to be at the airport two hours in advance, and you know, go through all that. You know, there's quite the same level of security checks and whatnot. I think they have little scanners, but it's not the same. you know, Oh, the same no, level.
0: kidding. So, like, uh, when I went up to Pike Cascades, I decided that was in I was in Vancouver um, this last year, and I decided to take the train uh because it was either that or drive because it was uh you know close enough and um it did take a long time (laughs) like way longer than was listed but it was kind of nice because i could just you know walk show up and get on the train and and uh eat there and it's a lot of walking around but way better than flying except for the whole like it took like three hours longer than it said it was going to or something.
1: Okay, so, well, I can't, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think the the, the high-speed trains, they kind of run on time. They're, so there's that <laughs> going for <forward>. them. Yeah.
0: <laughs> nice. All right. Well, um, it was so fun talking with you and uh, we'll catch up later. Yeah, thanks,
1: thanks Brian. All right. Take care, Brian.
0: Bye. Thanks for listening to Python People. Show notes are at pythonpeople.fm. Please subscribe to the show. You can also follow the show on Mastodon. Follow at Python People or at Brian Aukin, both on Fostodon.org. This episode is brought to you by the Complete PyTest Course. PyTest is powerful and easy to get started. You owe it to yourself and your team to write clean, easy-to-read tests to save you time now and during maintenance. The Complete PyTest Course will get you started with good habits and teach you some cool tricks when you need them later on. Even if you already use PyTest, why not level up? With a 30-day refund policy, you've got nothing to lose. Check it out at courses.pythontest.com. Thank you, Patreon supporters. You rock. Links to the course and Patreon sign-up are in the show notes. If you'd like to be on the show or know someone you'd like me to interview, reach out to me on Mastodon. I'm at BrianOcken at Fostodon.org. That's all for now. Thanks.